Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 11 to 1, Monday Motivation. Motivation. On LMFM. Writing a book is something many people would love to do, but only those with true grit have the courage to put pen to paper and release their work to the world. Although she spent many years teaching in Ireland and Zimbabwe and a stint working in advertising in London, my next guest decided to stop thinking about writing a book and in 2001 she went for it. She signed up to a creative writer's course and wrote her first novel, The Daisy Picker, which won the Write a Bestseller competition. So she was well on her way to becoming one of Ireland's most beloved bestselling authors. However, it hasn't been an easy road. As a budding novelist, she had to deal with the publishing house she was attached to going into receivership. Not to mention the dreaded writer's block that is an affliction even the best writers experience from time to time. Now she's the proud author of 17 novels, two children's book and knowing Roisin Meany she is busy working on the next book. I'm delighted to be kicking off Monday Motivation once again with not only a truly talented writer but an all round positive inspirational lady. Roisin Meany it is wonderful to have you. How are you doing? Hi Sinead, that was a wonderful intro. I hope to God I live up to it. Oh, you absolutely <laughs> will. You absolutely will. And it's so fitting, that is for sure. Now, you know, it wasn't until 2001, after teaching for many years and moving into advertising and back to teaching, that you finally took the plunge, put pen to paper to write the novel that was burning within you. Uh, what eventually made you go for it? Oh, Sinead, it, it, you make it sound like, you know, it was a, a dramatic plunge and I just said, OK, I'm going to write a book. But the truth is that it had been sitting in my head, not the actual book, but the idea of writing something for at least 10 years before that. So, in fact, it was quite sluggish when you think about it. It started when I was uh, working in advertising, like you said, but that was in the early 90s. I went to London, I think it was 91. I decided I needed just a break from teaching. I didn't hate teaching by any means, but I just felt the time had come to spread my wings a little. So I went, because I'd been teaching in Zimbabwe too when I went there. So, I mean, that was spreading my wings, but was doing the same thing once I got there. So I decided I'd try something totally different. And because I had won lots of competitions before that through um, finishing sentences, I would like, like to win a blah, blah. Um, I decided that I'd try and kind of work on that and go into something where I had to do some kind of writing. So I found a job in an advertising agency in London and I worked there for off and on for three years. Um, I, I moved around a little bit while I was in London. But then I went back into teaching, like you said, and it was almost 10 years later 
even though all the time during those 10 years, I was thinking, God, I wonder, could I try the book? And then I'd say, ah, no, 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 I'll leave that to the, the better authors. Um, and, and finally, it was just kind of, it was sitting in my head, annoying me. And I decided that I had to take the plunge. So I'm not sure what, what actually led to the eventual decision to take look for a second career break in 2001. But once I had it decided, it felt like the right thing. And I thought, yeah, this is this is the time now to go for it. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point there because an awful lot of people experience this. You had that little, the little inner critic that was going, ah, no, you couldn't do that. Don't do that. Leave it to the better people. That is so lovely and comforting to hear that from an amazing bestselling author, can I just say. Oh, stop. I, I think everyone has that critic now. I think if you ask any writer under the sun, I'd say they all think, well, they're not as good as they could be. You know, they, mm. they need to try harder, must try harder. Like a lot of my school reports would have said in the bygone <laughs> days. But uh, yeah, so eventually, I don't know how I decided that, look, at, I may as well give it a go. So I did, as you said, again, I signed up for the uh, course. Now, the course was only a weekend, though. It mm. was only a Saturday full day and kind of half a Sunday. So it just got me in the door a tiny bit to you know what it would be like writing a book um, but now the guy who ran the course himself a writer David Rice he was very good and very practical and he would really motivate you to want to kind of do something about it so armed with that little bit of whatever he gave me um, I, I decided I'd take take off and I, I went to San Francisco um, where one of my brothers happily lived at the time I just rang him up and said can I come and live with you for a year and it wasn't really a question so luckily he said yes okay he was my younger brother so he was kind of used to being bossed around <laughs> so I went there yeah and and I just started writing <laughs> and the daisy picker is, is what came out of this but you know yeah. when you when you have the book and you it's ready to go and you're about to put it out into the world that must be incredibly daunting were there times that you backed out or tried to back out no, once I had the book done, I was I was totally confident about it. And I thought it was brilliant in my innocence because it wasn't brilliant, really. Not at that stage anyway. Um, I, I decided that it was ready to be read by millions. So I phoned my, my uh, friend Judy Curtin back in Ireland because unlike me who had told the world and its mother before I went to San Francisco that I was going there to write a book, Judy had been quietly writing her own first novel, not telling anyone um, and I was a pal of Judy's and I was amazed when I heard, because she emailed me with the news, that she had just landed herself a publishing deal. I thought, publishing deal for what? What were you doing? <laughs> yeah. She said, I was actually writing a book. So then Judy was my go-to person. So I, I emailed her and I said, what do I do with it now? Um, I have this book that I know everyone will be dying to publish fool that I was absolute fool that I was but anyway um, Judy said well as it happens my publishers Tivoli they were a new publisher are, are, are having a competition to launch themselves so why don't you enter the competition so I entered the competition and then I kind of forgot about it because the closing date was maybe six weeks hence or something and I in the meantime then my time was up in San Francisco and I flew home and I was getting ready to go back to school in September and it had kind of went out of my head. And then I think about it every so often and then it would go again. And then I got a phone call when I was back at work um, around the end of September to say I had won the competition and the prize was a two book deal. But uh, so I, I, I was amazed. Now, at that stage, I was amazed because, of course, my enthusiasm was waning a little bit when yes. I came home and I thought, well, now it is my first book. And, you know, I might think it's great, but, you know, probably everyone thinks their first book is great. 
So, you know, it mightn't be that great at all. And then as the time wore on again, I, I decided that no, it wasn't that good at all. So I was amazed when I heard this. But then that book was published. Now it did take a lot of editing, I must hasten to add. Myself and Alison Walsh, the editor, we worked long and hard on this to bring it up to the standards where it would have to be published. For one thing, she made me totally change the ending. I had a kind of a sad and dramatic ending. She said, no, 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 that won't do at all. You need to have a happy ending for this kind of book. So um, I, I did what she asked me to do. And uh, yeah, and that came out in 2004. It took that long for, yes. it, for it to get get for, published. To, to get published. And, and you say there that, you know, you had this two book deal, but in the midst of this, Tivoli goes into receivership. Uh, that must have been, oh God, a bit scary. But it doesn't stop you because you end up writing, you know, a great third novel. You get another book deal and then you keep going and you're on top of the bestseller list. Do you thrive in adversity? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I suppose I do see it as a bit of a challenge when things don't quite go according to plan. Now, in fact, you've been very nice to me and left out the book that never got published. You <laughs> know about that because I don't really I don't I suppose I don't really talk about it much I kind of forgotten about it but I wrote a third book as you say Chivley went into receivership but not before I had actually written most of the third book Mm. and the editor Alison had said oh we'd like to read whatever you write next please and I said grand Um, because I was kind of cocky all over again now because you know I had two books published no rejections so I was great thanks very much but then I wrote the third book and then I heard that um, Chivley was gone so in the meantime I got myself an agent and I said to her um, can you can you fix me up and the third book went nowhere she she tried every publisher in Ireland and they all said no thanks so that gave me the comeuppance I badly needed so uh, I, I decided then well okay I can just stay teaching because obviously I was back teaching full time mm-hmm. and, and, and be happy that I had got two books published or I can uh, try again so I decided I'd try again I had absolutely nothing to lose Faith said if you write another book you know I'll, I'll shop around again so I had her ready to do that so I said why not so I wrote the fourth and Hodder picked it up who are now Ashet who I'm still with so yeah it, it all worked out fine in the end and I was humbled I was humbled by the experience of that third book going nowhere well actually um, funny so. enough I did know about the third book and that was ah, my, you were next, very good my next question <laughs> which, which, you did, which you did kind of answer because I was going to say you know how did it feel then because you had the two books that did well and you had this deal and then the, the publisher goes into receivership but then you write this third book that people didn't respond to yeah how yeah. do you then you talk yourself back into it you know talk yourself back into the the mindset of you can do this you brush yourself off and and keep going I think I think partly because I'm kind of blessed with an optimistic nature anyway and I, I see I see my glasses half full and I, I talked myself into you know being confident again about it and I suppose I thought well I did it twice Mm. So, you know, this is a setback, sure. And I was very upset at the time. But um, but I just decided, look, I'll give it one more go. I had decided if the fourth book went nowhere, that was it. And I was going to just give up the idea of being a writer. And, and, and I had had two books published, which a lot of people weren't lucky enough to do. So I was, you know, I, I had had that, that experience, which was wonderful. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of, I, I suppose I just taught myself around and and tipped away at a fourth book and um yeah like i say it, it i got lucky and hodder liked the sound of it 
And from then on, um, I, I didn't have any more rejections after that. Yes. Which great. And we're, yeah. on, we're, on, we're on Novel 17, the restaurant, by the way, which I did speak uh, about on the show early in the oh. summer when I read it. Do you know when you come in, right, from the pouring rain and your mum has made a stew or something that's just nourishing and comforting? That's what it's like reading this book. The restaurant, your latest one. <laughs> I that's, that's how I felt. Uh, so people do go out, please go out and buy it. But, you know, facing a blank page on a laptop or a typewriter or whatever it is that you work on, that's probably the most daunting task for any writer. Do you fear the blank page ever? Like, you know, particularly oh if the last book and so many of your books are successful, do you kind of go, oh God, I don't have any more ideas? Oh, absolutely. Every single time. And I think, again, if you ask any writer at all, if they're telling you the truth, they'll say, yes, that's always a terrifying prospect. When you finish the first, the first draft, even that going back that far, when you finish the first draft of a book, you're already getting nervous about the next one Mm. because the first draft, you know, is done and dusted and you feel quite confident about it. And you know, there'll be more work to do on it because obviously a first draft is never a last draft, but you know that you've kind of got it in the bag at the same time. And, and then, the, the, the fear sets in about the one that has to follow. Um, so yeah, the blank page is terrifying and, and it never, that fear never goes away. And as we speak, I'm trying to get a foothold into novel number 19 because number 18 is in the bag at this stage. Oh, fantastic. And that's coming out at Christmas. Yeah. But the number 19, which I have to, I have to make a start on now because they want first draft by December because it's, it's scheduled for next summer. Um, that's, I'm at that scary stage with it now. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to get these characters to behave themselves and to do things and to give me a bit of inspiration? Because I'm depending on them to give me something. <laughs> and, and no doubt you will do it, that's for sure. Now, you know, you spoke about it being a glass half full type of person like I am as well. And I yeah. follow you as t- on Twitter and you're a great crack. You're like the ray of sunshine oh, in you. stormy <laughs> skies on Twitter, can I say? Uh, because it can be kind of a toxic place. But something I oh, noticed yeah. that I have to chat to you about is you write every day about three good things uh, in your life. Uh, Can you tell me what this is, first of all, and why you decided to post this each day? Yeah, I heard about this uh, going back a good few years now when um, I went, I was on holidays with three other people, two of whom I hadn't known until we went on holidays. They were friends of the other girls. And um, and I got talking to one of them one night. And like I say, I hadn't met her until a few days previously. But she she started telling me that she suffers from depression off and on. And she has been seeing a counsellor off and on for a good few years. And one of the things he recommended that she do was to record three good things every night before she went to bed. And just he said they could be as trivial as you like they could be a song that came on the radio that just made you smile because it reminded you of something or it could be a cup of tea that you had when you were really dying for one or something just as easy as that and and she said that she found it really good just Mm. just to remember three positive things about her day so I started doing it myself then I wrote I had a little notebook by the bed and I wrote down three things and I also found it just gave me a list and it sent me off to sleep very happy um, and then it kind of fell by the wayside and I forgot about it. But but during the lockdown, um, we had a, a family bereavement. One of my cousins died and he was really lovely. He'd been in hospital, but he hadn't been expected to die at all. It wasn't virus related, mm. but he just died quite suddenly. And we were all really shocked. And I remember the day after I heard the news, um, I... You know the way when something, uh, it just throws your whole day. And, but then something puts it out of your head and then it hits you again. And every time it hits you, you have this fresh kind of feeling of shock. Oh my mm. God, he's gone, you know. Mm. Um, 
And and just that day, towards the end of the day, I decided to start this again. I just, it, it popped into my head, this three good things, thing that I had done once and found it helped. And I said on Twitter, I'm going to start this. And I started writing and I did it that evening and I haven't stopped since. And I think that was April. I think he died, he died around the end or the middle of April. So I've been doing it ever since. And again, there's there's silly things, some of them. Oh, some of them make me laugh. They really, yeah, they really do. And it's like you go through all this sort of toxic on your feed. This person's died or this death rate or or that thing is happening. or And then it's Roisin where it's really good things. things, I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it and it's it's great and also I, I found out then in the back of this doing my doing my research on yourself that you run because of, of course you do you run the Random Acts of Kindness Limerick Facebook page which must just add to that kind of good feeling Oh yeah myself and a friend Sheila I don't know how it came up in conversation we were chatting it's going back about six years now we were chatting over coffee one day and we both realised that we were both fans of the random act of kindness phenomenon where Mm. you just do something good for somebody randomly because you can and for no other reason than because you can and you have the opportunity and you know that it'll make somebody else a bit more cheerful and we decided we'd set up this page on Facebook and we hadn't a clue what we were doing but we just said okay we'll throw it out there and see what happens and we did and basically how it works is anyone who has anything good happen to them out of the blue they let us know we put it up on the page and we encourage anyone who reads it to share it to their page to spread the word and we've got oh god it must be nearly 12,000 people now following the page and spreading the word around and it's a limerick one it's random acts of kindness limerick just in case anyone is looking for it mm. but I know there are pages all over Ireland that could be there could be a loud one or a drahata oh, one as well for all I know there could be a one there absolutely could be and I think they're they're fantastic they're, they're really really fantastic pages oh they're and, brilliant and you know uh, in the research last night uh, I read an article <laughs> that you wrote around this time last year and you said you were turning a nice roundy age uh, as oh, you yes. called it and uh, <laughs> You spoke a lot about what you've learned from life and, and, and regrets and that kind of thing. So I wanted to ask yeah. you, biggest life highlight? Biggest life highlight um, was probably winning that two book deal, I mm. think. Yeah, that was something amazing. Um, another highlight, of course, would have been winning a car when I was 18. Yes, again huge, for writing. Huge, again for writing. <laughs> well, seven words that time. <laughs> uh, slightly more the second time. But um, yeah, so I know that might sound a bit shallow now, the biggest highlight, winning, winning a prize. But it was a great lift and a great boost. I'm talking now about the two-book deal, not the car. Not the car, um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, but what then, great. you know, would you say was the biggest challenge you faced in your life and what did you learn about yourself after experiencing it? Well, I, uh, probably the biggest challenge was making a go of the writing when I finally decided to give up the teaching because in 2004, I went job sharing mm. because I thought, OK, I want a bit more time to write, but I'm not ready to chuck the teaching in yet because I was scared. So I job shared for four years and I, I had a, about, you know, a little more time for writing. But in fact, when you're job sharing in teaching anyway, I'm not sure about any other job. You don't have a week on, week off like you think you have. You have about three days off when you're not thinking about teaching. Yeah. And you're not going back over what you should have done the last week and planning what you're going to do the next week. So I had a bit more time, but not enough either. So in 2008, when I had, did I have about four or five books published at that stage, I think? 
um, I decided that I would take the plunge. But so that was a challenge, even though at the time, because I'm a terrible, impulsive person, I didn't really see it as a huge challenge. I just felt it was a natural progression. You know, OK, I'm yeah. getting books published, so I'm just going to make it my life now. But looking back now, I think, God, that was actually a huge step to take. And I'm thinking my lucky stars. In the height, of a, stars. <laughs> in the height <laughs> yeah. of a recession as well. I know. Yes. Oh, my parents were horrified, <laughs> horrified when I told them I was giving up teaching. They said, how can you do that? Why can't you just keep writing and teaching? But I knew I had to make a choice. Mm. It had to be one or the other. I had got to that stage. And while I loved teaching, I always loved it. And I really missed the company of the kids when I gave it up. I knew I had to, I had to choose one over the other. And I, I, I know I made the right choice. Oh, now. you, you so, absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, just to finish up, uh, I find people yeah. who, like yourself, live in their best lives. They have a very specific morning routine. Can you share your morning routine with us? Yeah, my morning routine is so boring, really. <laughs> I get up, I shower and I get dressed. That never changes. And then after that, if the weather is halfway decent, I'll go up and do a walk. Depending on the weather, it might be a short walk or it could be a quite a long kind of a ramble, maybe an hour or so. Uh, my mother turned us all into walkers when we were young because she was a walker and we had no choice but to trot after her. So we're all walkers, really. And then after that, I have the breakfast and I come home and I start my writing. Um, usually I have I have some writing to do in the day. If it's not a book, it'll be a, a piece for a magazine or a newspaper or it might just be catching up on emails or something. So I'll open the computer then and I'll, I'll spend however long I need to spend done it so that generally passes at least the morning yes and the walk is so important as well for the health and and everything else it really is well listen Roisin it's been absolutely wonderful having you thank you so so much for kicking off Monday Motivation the restaurant is an absolute gem of a novel so excited for uh, novel 18 to come out at Christmas keep doing what you're doing and thank you so so much for joining me on the show thanks a million Sinead it's been lovely Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 